Good day everyone, you're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 137, Beautiful Stars Seen From Afar. I'm your host Alex, and today I have the honor to have Shira as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? Hi Alex, I'm doing great. I just woke up and watched the sunrise, and it, it was perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> well, hopefully you did not watch the sunrise through your telescope. Uh, that might hurt your eyes. <laughs> Definitely no, that'll burn my eyes and I can't see the stars anymore. Yeah, yeah, now that would make your hobby obsolete. You would not be able to do your hobby anymore. So let's, yep. so listen here, people, do not look at the sun with your telescope. Yeah, absolutely prohibited. <laughs> so uh, yes, I'm your host, Alex, and we're going to be talking about stargazing today. But before we do that, who is Shira? I ask this question on every episode and everybody's like, oh my goodness, that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> Okay, so my name is Shahira, and you call, can call me Shira. I'm from Malaysia, and I'm a teacher, an English teacher. I'm teaching at a primary school, and I stargaze as my hobby. And I also have another hobby, other hobbies that I love, but uh, stargazing is my main hobby that I like, uh, that I focus on. And I saw she has a YouTube video. She has a lot of stuff as well. I, lo I love how you explain so much. And I want to go into more detail. I know I want to jump into this. And of course, I want to pronounce your name correctly. Shahira, right? Yeah, Shahira. Yeah, yeah, that's Shahira? correct. Okay, I want, to, I want to use, I don't want to just say Shira. I want to say Shahira. Okay, I want to, you know, I want to represent you as best as possible. Perfect. And yes, before we jump into the topic of stargazing, where can people find you online, whether it's social media, maybe a YouTube channel or a website or even projects you're working on that you would love to share with people? It can be related to stargazing and it can be related to absolutely anything else at all. Yeah, people can find me on Twitter because I am mostly active there. I post pictures, I post my videos, um, and also I post uh, news about astronomy. And also in Instagram, I usually post pictures of me traveling and also painting. And you guys can also find me on Facebook and uh, in YouTube because I usually make videos uh, in, uh, on astronomy. So you can also find me on YouTube and watch a video. And what is your YouTube channel called? And what are your other social media names? Where they can, what's the names they can find you under? You can uh, find me based on the name Shahira Stargazer. Yeah, that's for all the social media. <laughs> I use the same name. Yeah, see, I should do that, but I don't. I, I, see, I should take inspiration from you. I'm, I, I have to learn. I have to learn. But you know what? That's perfect. I'll put all that in all that information down below so people can go listen to it, follow you, show some love, show some support and follow your journey and maybe, you know, learn, learn a thing or two, right? Yeah. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> that would be great. And now today we're going to be talking about stargazing. So for people who might not know what it is, mind giving a definition of what stargazing encompasses. Stargazing is basically watching the celestial objects in the night sky, but it doesn't have to be night sky. It can also be daytime stargazing. And usually for me, um, I use instruments such as telescope and binoculars, but uh, binoculars, yes. But you can also use your naked eyes because uh, using your naked eyes will give you a wide depth of the sky. And they'll give you much more emotional experience, in my opinion. Meanwhile, if you stargaze through a telescope, you want to look um, more in detail about the celestial objects. 
So there is not only one way to enjoy stargazing. You can enjoy stargazing in sorts of ways. And if you haven't had your telescope, you can enjoy stargazing through your naked eyes. And that is totally okay. And it is still counted as stargazing. I feel like everybody who gets into stargazing starts by using their naked eye. <laughs> yeah, but some people think that, oh, I need to buy a telescope if I'm starting stargazing. I need to buy a telescope or binoculars. They're rushing to do that, but eventually become frustrated because they don't know how to operate it. And uh, this might be a really odd question, like very, very strange, but I always like asking odd questions. But would you ever be interested, let's say, in glasses that have like the power of a telescope so you can you don't have to carry around a telescope you can just look up at any point and just see the stars in great detail <laughs> wow that would be amazing because i've been looking for portable telescopes or any portable uh, instrument for stargazing usually people just bring binoculars but we need more uh, if we want to look in depth into the celestial objects but having a pair of glasses that work as a telescope, that would be amazing. I would want a pair. <laughs> See, uh, everybody listening, Shahida would love a pair. And if you have one, if that exists, you know, she wouldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, please show me and let me purchase it. <laughs> no, just give it. Just give it. She deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How did you actually get introduced to stargazing? I'm sure you might have watched it as a kid. You're like, oh, star. And like, oh. Interested, or was it something more that you saw a shooting star or you saw a planet like instead of the moon you saw Jupiter? Oh wow, so it was a long time ago during my childhood when I was seven years old. I live in the rural part of Malaysia where the sky is adorned by the stars and untouched by the light pollution, and the place is among the greeneries and by the hill, so you can imagine how beautiful and captivating the nature there. I used to hang out with my family outside of the house and just look up into the night sky. And I saw thousands of stars there compared to the urban sky. The stars there are much, much more, and it's like you are swimming in a river of stars. And that time I realized I become deeply interested in stargazing makes me feel connected with the universe and I wanted to learn more. That time I was seven years old and I realized all this. And it's like an ocean of stars, like you said, and it's just endless. And on an odd note, do you remember your first shooting star you saw? Yeah, I remember my first shooting stars. But that time I was 14 years old already. But it was my first time just gazing to the night sky for hours. And I noticed a shooting star and it just it brought me to tears because it was my first time. <laughs> I saw a shooting star. It was exciting. Now, here in Canada, whenever we see a shooting star, we make a wish. Do you do the same in Malaysia? But for me, I don't really make a wish <laughs> because I know what are the shooting stars. <laughs> so I don't think it will grant me any wishes. <laughs> but it, gives, it gave me this feeling of content and how beautiful the universe is so that that itself is already enough for me and hopefully it doesn't make you feel small because i know when people look up like oh my goodness we're just a small piece of dust in the entire universe don't worry i realized that a long time ago <laughs> and that doesn't really bother me it makes us feel special that we are the a conscious being known conscious being 
floating on this mode of dust in the middle of the universe. Okay, now this is another odd question, but do you have a favorite star that you always like to look at at least once a night? Wow, a favorite star? Because the sky usually change. So for now, my favorite stars to look at are the Sama Triangle. Called, uh, the stars are called Deneb, Alte, and Vega. Those are beautiful stars that shine in, night, in the summer night sky. And it forms this beautiful triangle in the middle of the sky. So for now, those are the uh, favorite stars that I like to watch. What is the most interesting thing you've ever seen while stargazing? Wow, you have no idea. <laughs> there are a lot of things that I like to watch in the night sky. But I have 10 things that I love to watch in the night sky. So do you want to know all of them? Yes, I would love it. Okay, so the first object uh, that I like to watch is uh, the uh, in the constellation of Orion, the three bright stars and the star called Betelgeuse and the Orion Nebula. And number two, I like to watch the Pleiades. Uh, it's a star cluster that is actually visible to the naked eyes. If you look around December to uh, March, you can actually um, notice a nebulous uh, light. But it's not actually a nebula, it's actually a star cluster, which visible to our naked eyes called the Pleiades. And I like to watch Ursa Major, the constellation Ursa Major, and um, there are binary stars in there. So it's very interesting. And I love to watch the seasonal triangles, just like I mentioned just now, uh, the summer triangle. And we also have the winter triangle and the autumn triangle. And next, I like to watch um, objects from the constellation Centaurus and Scorpio from the southern sky, the constellation Canis Major, and with its uh, brightest star in the night sky called Sirius. And of course, the moon. The moon will be very great uh, and great object to uh, gaze at because usually people take moon for granted, but it's actually a very interesting object to look at. And lastly, the Milky Way. You can only watch that in the dark sky area, but if you have the opportunity to do it, that'll be very exciting. And now you seem extremely knowledgeable, sorry, see, I'm studying. You seem extremely knowledgeable <laughs> about this. And it leads me to ask, do you do the research beforehand? So before you go look at the stars, do you do, okay, well, tonight I want to try to look for this star or this group of stars or these planets, or do you just look out and then you find something and then you say, what is that? Take a picture. If your telescope can take a picture, you take a picture and then do research on that. Usually, I will make a research first for of what am I going to watch tonight. I use this app called Celestron Sky Portal, or you can also use Stellarium and look for the sky and just you know take uh, the idea of what will the sky look tonight. And I will make a research on the objects that I'm going to watch. And when it's night, I'll go out and. Just watch the object because I don't want the light to obstruct my uh, stargazing. Because if I keep on staring into my phone and also watch the sky, uh, that'll ruin my dark adaptation towards the night sky. And the stars that I'm seeing is going to be less and less. Yeah, that's I completely agree. It's kind of like uh, when you wake up in the middle of the night where you can actually see everything well, but the moment you turn on the light, 
everything goes blurry and then when you turn off the lights then you can't really see well in the dark anymore yeah that's the that's the thing you don't want that to ruin your dark adaptation whenever you stargaze and as for taking pictures i don't really have a dslr or any astronomical camera i just use my phone surprisingly i can take a lot of star pictures and still good I work with whatever I have right now because I'm still saving up for my DSLR. But for now, it's totally good. I can use my phone. I can use the software and the computer to tweak with the pictures I have uh, captured. Do they sell telescopes with uh, the capability of taking pictures or recording videos? There is a type of telescope that mainly for astrophotography. But usually for beginners, I bought a telescope and an adapter for my phone or if you have a DSLR you can buy adapter for DSLR so that you can place it on a telescope and capture the pictures of the stars or you can buy this type of uh, this type of camera for astronomy called the CCD so that you can take even better pictures with a shorter uh, exposure and uh, great details of the uh, objects in the night sky but if you are using the SLR, you have to work more on it. But if you use CCD, then it will ease up your work. And I've noticed you have a lot of telescopes. Like I saw it from your videos. So on that note, do you still own your first telescope or it's you gave it to somebody? My first telescope was when I, um, during my high school, yes. Uh, my dad surprised me with a telescope at 12 a.m. He told me to come downstairs and said, come, I bought you something. And I was like, what, I was like, what is it? And then he showed me a box of uh, this te with telescope on it. I was so excited. I screamed and then I, I was excited. And then he assembled it for me and I used it uh, to um, view the moon, to not really to stargaze because it's actually uh, a low aperture refract telescope so you can't really see the stars uh, from the telescope clearly but you can still watch the moon from it i still have the telescope and still keep it because it's my first telescope it's from my uh, dad and it's very meaningful for me and after that it broke because my sister broke it <laughs> but i still yeah it was it was sad i got so mad but it's it's okay it's still with me i can still you know just adjust the position a bit and use it but can't really use it uh, as I used to when I was 14 years old so it's okay. <laughs> I could be wrong but I have a feeling that the night you received that telescope you didn't go to bed for many hours you stayed up as long as you could to just look at that moon. That's correct <laughs> I just stayed with my dad until he finished assembled it and then I go out right after it finished and watched the moon. I can't, I can't stop. I was so excited. I was so captivated by what, can, uh, to what I can't see from the telescope. When you were sharing that story, I had the biggest and stupidest smile on my face because that just made me so happy. And it actually leads me to ask you, are your parents or your siblings also very interested in stargazing? Is it like a family thing? Sometimes it's a family thing because uh, my dad is interested in astronomy, but... Uh, for now, it's not a family thing anymore because I am not staying with them. Um, I only stay with them when it's holiday. 
But whenever I go back to my family's place, uh, to my hometown, we get together and stargaze. But it's actually me, the one who always um, encouraged them to go stargazing because they are not as passionate as I am. But it's great that they want to know. They still join me even though they are not passionate in it. So it makes me it makes me happy. Have you ever done a game with your family? So everybody has their telescope and then you have to find a specific star or a specific planet and then mark it down. <laughs> wow, that would be great. But they don't really know their way around the sky, but they only watch the objects that I've shown them. For example, oh, I'm watching Jupiter right now. We want to see uh, Though, uh, that's Jupiter. And they're like, wow. And then I'll ask them, how many uh, moons can you see? How many Jupiter's moon can you see? And then they're counted. Oh, I can see four. Oh, that, that's correct. Those are Jupiter's giant moons. And then they're like, wow, you can actually see that. And yeah, because when they compare with what they can see from the naked eyes, they can't see the moons. But when they look through the telescope, they can see the moons. They can see the Jupiter stripes. And sometimes they can identify the Jupiter's great red spot. That is amazing. <laughs> so have you actually seen all the planets in our solar system? So far, I've seen Mercury, Venus, um, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and Uranus. But I haven't seen Neptune yet. Uh, and Pluto, I haven't seen those yet because they're too small and... I'm still struggling with my 4.5-inch telescope. It's not that powerful to watch um, even dimmer objects. But I'm planning to buy a better telescope. Actually, you mentioned Pluto. Now, ever since I was growing up as a, a child, people said Pluto was a planet, and then they said it was not a planet, and then they said it was a planet again. For you, do you consider Pluto a planet or not a planet? There are a lot of things to consider to decide whether that object is a planet or not. So there is no uh, specific uh, term for it. So if you want to consider it as a planet, then you can consider it as a planet. But if you don't want to, then it's okay. The reason why it is not a planet, because it's eccentric uh, orbit, and also the difference, the vast difference between the terrestrial planets and also the Jovian planets. The Jovian planets are the gaseous planets such as Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. But when it comes to Pluto, it's actually a rocky, icy planet, which makes it different. So uh, this, uh, the IAU, the International Astronom Astronomical Union, uh, discarded from the term planet and become a dwarf planet. For me, it's personal because we've been learning that Pluto is a planet when we were kids. So if you still want to consider it as a planet, it's a personal thing. For me, Pluto, <laughs> I just follow the IAU. If it's not a planet, then it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one, one day it's part of the family, the other day it's not. It's, it's a distant relative to the planets. <laughs> yeah, but it's still a part of our solar system. So Pluto is still a family. We all love Pluto. <laughs> and I love learning history and learning about how the Earth was created by two, I don't know if it was considered planets, but two giant spheres of 
rock and other i'm butchering this i know you know the correct terms you're probably saying <laughs> alex no it's not just rock it's probably something else but it's a collision <laughs> of both of those cre who, that created earth and the rest of the debris created the moon and uh, mm -hmm. so that must have been really interesting for you to just uh, learn about that as well and did you learn how other the other planets were created as well I still need to make a research on that because, yeah, the, the, the explanation just now, you said the Earth is made by a collision between two bodies of rocks. That's correct. Yes. That's actually correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the bigger debris um, also creates the moon. So that's actually already correct. But about the other planets, I'm not really sure. <laughs> We'll, we'll do some more research together. <laughs> yeah, sure. And let's share about it. It's all about sharing. You'll probably teach me a lot more than I'll teach you. I, I'll say, look, I saw this. She's like, yes, I saw that when I was 12 years old. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's not a competition. <laughs> if it is, you already won. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> An odd question I also have. I don't know if you've ever done this, but have you ever used your telescope to look, let's say, at a space station and you actually saw an astronaut? Oh my God, that's an interesting question because last time I was gazing at the moon, I was recording the surface of the moon and just growing. And then suddenly I saw the International Space Station pass in front of the moon. And I was like, wow, that's ISS. And look at the shape and all. And I was like, wow, so excited. But only for a brief second. And after that, it's no longer there. And of course, I can't see the astronauts. They're too small. But I still can see the, uh, I can make out the uh, shape of the ISS. And it's exactly what uh, we, uh, we see from the picture. Were you able to take a picture of it? No, I was just making observation. I didn't um, do any astrophotography that time. So too bad. Oh, maybe next time because it only passes for a second. Like it takes a quick second. You probably just have to think, okay, it's coming now. Boom. <laughs> yeah. You have to be very lucky to capture the ISS right in front of the moon. You know what? I'll give them a call. I'll say, hey guys, stop there for a second. Shahida would love to just take a picture of you. Just wave your hand, say hello, put a sign. <laughs> wow, that would be amazing. That would be wow. Uh, it's special only for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have no connections, but if anybody from uh, the International Space Station is listening, we, we would like that as well. <laughs> wow. Hello, ISS. <laughs> <laughs> And for you, uh, how do you keep record of the things you document? Do you have it in a file? Do you write it down? Do you have it in your computer? How do you organize your stuff? Okay, so I usually keep my observation in form of pictures. But most of the time, I record it in a form, an observational form, which contains uh, date, time, picture uh, the my drawing of the objects I've been gazing at, uh, seeing the transparency of the sky, the instrument that I've used, and I also jot down my feelings or any commentaries that I want to include during the observation for every object, and I compiled it in an observation file so that next time I can look at it and I will... Just look at it and say, oh, I watched this before. 
Oh, that's great. You mentioned you write down your emotions as well as what you were feeling while you're seeing that. So this might be a very hard question to answer, but what was your most memorable moment while stargazing? Okay, so my most memorable moment of stargazing when I was looking at the southern sky in the constellation of Scorpio, at first I thought that I do, I'm just going to see the bright stars like the Antares or the other stars in the constellation. But I also noticed other objects such as star clusters and I was like, what are these stars? Why are they just a grouping together? And I make a research about it while stargazing. I know it's going to ruin my dark adaptations, but I don't care. I just want to know. And then, oh, I am actually looking at the butterfly cluster, star cluster. And then I move on to another part of the constellation. And I saw another group of uh, star cluster. And I make a research. Oh, this is a Ptolemy uh, cluster. And I move on to another stars. And I saw two stars just closely situated next to each other. And I was like, wow, this looks like a binary star. And it is. I feel like stargazing is something like uh, treasure hunting. And yeah, even though, yeah, people already know what are the treasures. But if you uh, don't look it for yourself, then it would be just something that other people see, not your own experience. So when I, I experience watching all those objects, it makes me feel amazed. It makes me feel how small I am and how lucky I am to just witness this. And it's for my own experience, not other, other people's experience, not pictures from internet, but me, through my eyes, I'm the one who's watching it. It makes, me, it makes me feel more aware about the universe that surrounds us. So beautiful. In a way, it makes you connected with the universe. And you're absolutely right. Yes. It's a treasure hunt and you win every time because even if you look at the same star, you're just having a new moment in that time saying, wow, this is what's happening now. And maybe something happened to that star. But if it did, it would be light years and light years away. So... It would take a long time before we'd actually see any change. This is another odd question about space itself because you enjoyed so much. Do you think the universe is ever going to stop expanding? Because I remember seeing a video saying that it is continuously expanding, but there's going to be a point where it's going to stop. So far, I cannot imagine <laughs> where the, whether the universe is going to ex, uh, continue expanding, but I'm pretty sure that it's going to continue expanding because of the dark energy, the, uh, the existence of dark energy. But how the universe is going to end is a different question because um, there are three ways for the universe to end. The big crunch, the big rip, and also the, the heat death. So the big crunch would be out of question right now because our universe continues to expand. So big crunch means that the universe is defeated by the gravitational pull, but if the universe is expanding, then the gravity won't be the main source of power in the universe anymore. So this expansion is actually the opposite of gravity. Uh, so there are two possibilities, maybe the big rip, where the universe will continue to expand so much that the space between atoms becomes so further apart that it rips off every existence of matter and the atoms will just float and will never stumble upon other atoms ever again. 
and the atoms will be ripped apart into quarks and there will be no more matter. Or the heat death, where the heat in the universe will be all gone and there is no activity and we're just going to be in a long and cold death. <laughs> and this is at sub-zero temperatures. <laughs> yes, it's very d- disturbing, but that's the... The truth of it, it might happen maybe billions and billions years from now. But I am talking from my reading and what I watch, but I didn't make the research. So that's based on my understanding. So I hope that you can accept it. (laughs) I will accept it. You're the expert here for me. So every guest is an expert. So what you say is true. I can't contradict you saying, no, that's not true. And I don't think we're going to be alive to see that ever happen. And so... I don't think my my kid, my grandkid, it's going to be billions and billions of years. It's going to be, I don't even know if the earth will be that old or it will last that long. That's This is a whole other topic. But actually back to stargazing itself for you, <laughs> where is your preferred place to go stargaze? Is it on a roof, in, out in nature? For me, it doesn't matter where it is. As long as I can get a full view of the night sky. I can see north, south, east, and west side of the sky. And as long as that place is safe and have a dark sky, if it's not dark sky, then I can still make out thousands of stars, then that would be amazing. Um, but for me, of course, it would be out in the nature so you can get more feel of the night sky itself you feel like you are blending in with the nature and also you're enjoying the beauty of the night sky that would be the best combination to be out in nature and stargazing and i've done that several times with my friends we went to the beach and then just lie down on the sand and watch the stars while listening to the crashing waves <laughs> that seems like a picture por- portrait it just looks like a painting that's just relaxing oh it sounds so relaxing Oh, why are you making me just envious of that? <laughs> I feel like I should, you know what? Next time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring my podcast equipment to the beach and just lie down and then we'll have this conversation about stargazing a year from now. So we'll stargaze while talking about stargazing. Boom. Double, po- double positive. Wow. <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love that. I would love to talk about stargazing and the universe while stargazing. That would be like out of this world experience. Ah, pun intended. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was from you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so on a similar note to loving stargazing, what would you say is the best part about stargazing on a personal and an emotional level? Now, you, I know you talked about this a little bit, but what would you add on to that? The best part of stargazing for me is that I feel connected with the universe. I feel closer to our origin as atomically, we are connected to the stars, nebulas, and all of the celestial objects that I'm gazing at. So that actually, uh, that uh, quote is actually from Neil deGrasse Tyson. So uh, biologically, we are connected to all the living beings, atomic, uh, chemically to the earth, and atomically to the universe. And to put it simply, my feelings and emotions can be described in Japanese word. In a Japanese word, it's called yugen. That word itself means an awareness of the universe that trigger emotional responses to deep 
and powerful forwards. I feel like every time you stargaze, it just makes you feel like all my problems that I'm having right now are very small. So I shouldn't worry too much about those. And it's just like your escape from reality when you look at the stars. But it's escape from reality, but it is reality. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a beautiful reality. I'm looking at it. And for me, it's important for us to feel that way because in our daily lives, we tend to look at a small and trivial matter and make it so big and make it a problem in our life and stress ourselves. But when we just take some time to look into the sky and realize how small everything is and all the things that happen, all the history that happens on this that we've witnessed or that ever happened on Earth is just on a small mode of dust floating in space. It's so small. We're so small. And we should look at things in a bigger picture. And that makes us feel better about ourselves, makes us feel that everything doesn't have to be stressful, doesn't have to be so big because there are something bigger. That is the universe. And we are looking at it. We are enjoying it. Yeah, I'm an anxious person and I tend to overthink. So I need stargazing. It's not just a passion. It's a need for me to remind myself that my problems, it doesn't matter at universal scale. It's just, it's just how life is. It's just how me as a human experience and sometimes you just have to let go. And just look at the stars. Yeah, just look at the stars. Enjoy the night sky. And for you, what was your biggest challenge when you first started stargazing? My biggest challenge when I started stargazing was to make myself, uh, make, make my way through the constellations because as a child, I tend to get very confused because there are too much stars, a lot of stars I can see. So I cannot locate the constellation specifically. But after some time studying the star maps and recognizing several bright stars, I am able to make my, uh, my way through the constellations. And after that, I learned about the celestial objects or deep sky objects that reside in the constellations. And yeah, eventually I can go through the challenge and have another challenge to, <laughs> to face with. So speaking about that other challenge, what is your current challenge these days? Currently, I am living in an urban area in the city. So you can imagine the amount of light pollution that I have to face every single day when I look uh, through my windows. I have a good view of the sky, but the stars, the light of the dimmer stars are being obstructed by the light pollution so I can only see the light from the brighter stars and constellations so that's one of the challenge but I am still grateful that I can still see the uh, bright stars even though sometimes I feel like I, there are something missing because I'm used to the dark skies uh, uh, in my hometown but when I come back to the uh, to my workplace, uh, the place where I'm living and the place where I'm working, I can't really see the stars. It makes me feel sad. But still, I'm grateful. <laughs> and this is a really odd question, but would you ever consider traveling to, let's say, northern Canada to see the northern lights? I know it's kind of 
obstructing, uh, obstructing the light itself would not make you see stars, but it's just a cool experience to see that up in the sky being a chemical effect of things happening in space. I cannot explain that well. <laughs> Usually light will be one of the uh, obstructing thing to have in the sky whenever you want to see uh, the stars, but the northern lights, that would be a beautiful thing to gaze at, a beautiful obstructing. It's not even <laughs> obstructing. It's a beautiful phenomenon. It's one of the stargazing experience too, even though it's not a star, but it is still a night sky event. So that would be a magical experience if I ever get to travel to the northern Canada and watch the northern lights. I really wanted to go to, I really want to go to Canada. You see, it's one of uh, the country that I would like to uh, travel to someday uh, with my family. But hopefully, hopefully someday, Alex, I get to be there and just experience uh, the beautiful sky, the northern lights and the beautiful people there, beautiful cities, everything. <laughs> I just really want to go to Canada. Well, if you're ever in Ottawa, we can contact me. I'm in the national capital city of the country where there's not that many good places to watch the stars. But if you're ever in around the area, we'll, we'll catch up. And then uh, you'll tell me more about stars and say, Alex, there's no stars in Ottawa. And I'll tell you, yes, I know. This is why I need to go travel. There's a lot of forests in Canada. So if you go up north, there, I bet you there's a beautiful, beautiful view. Uh, but yes, now, uh, actually a hard question to ask or a difficult question. What are some misconceptions about people who do stargazing? Misconceptions. There are a lot of misconceptions uh, when it comes to stargazing, especially for beginners. But it's, you, it's normal. It's usually normal for people to have misconceptions because you are staring at the unknown. Okay, so the first thing is... Can you see the stars through the telescope clearly with the shape and anything around the stars? That's one of the misconceptions. Uh, because people expect that if they watch the stars and they take the telescope and, oh, yeah, I can actually see the star in round shape and also the planets around it. And it's actually not true. You can't really do that because the stars reside light years away. So for our telescope uh, to see such thing, um, we need a bigger telescope. And also scientists, they don't really watch the stars directly and saw, oh, those are exoplanets. They actually study the star itself and the changes around the star so they can actually make out, oh, this change indicates um, the existence of an exoplanet. Okay, but they can't really see the planet directly. They can only um, make a conclusion from the changes. For example, changes in the uh, the stars, uh, the starlight itself. Sometimes it fluctuates, so might be something there, but not really the planet itself or any object around the star itself. So that's one of the misconception. And also, people thought that if I look through the telescope, for example, I'm looking at a planet. I can see the planet as big as the moon. No, you can't cannot really see that. You can only see the tiny oh, sphere shape when you can barely make out the color and the 
any pattern on the planet. For example, Jupiter, you can see the stripes or the great red spot, but you cannot really see it as clearly as the moon. And the only thing that you can see clearly as the as the moon is the moon itself. And also, if you have a filter for the sun, you can see the sun. And that's pretty much uh, what you can see from the telescope. You, you cannot expect too much. Uh, that's, that's one of the things in stargazing. You cannot expect big things uh, without studying about it, without researching about it. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, one of the misconceptions is if you watch the meteor shower, you know the meteor shower, right? People thought that they are going to see raining of lights in the sky, it's going to be like raining, it's going to be like fireworks. No, it's not going to be that way. And some people, when I ask them to go, come, let's go uh, meet your sh uh, shower watching. And then when they look in the sky, I see nothing. Of course you see nothing because your eyes need to adapt in the dark. And also you have to wait around 20 minutes to one hour even for you to notice one meteor streaking across the sky and i would imagine you've uh, you've taught your friends and family about that and then they realize oh okay and so they get to see it and understand more clearly and when you're talking about uh, seeing the sun do you have that filter to be able to see the sun without because uh, we we're talking about the beginning of the episode to not look directly at the sun with the telescope but now you're telling me that if you have a specific filter you're able to do it i don't have the specific filter for the sun <laughs> i haven't bought it but I asked an advice from uh, from a local astronomer and he said it would not be encouraged for you to have the filter, especially when you are not using a camera. You're not installing a camera and plug into a computer for you to see the sun because if you put the filter and you want to look at the sun, even from the filter, it would still be dangerous. So he said, if you want to look at the sun, it's the best for you to not uh, look at directly from the telescope, even with the filter on. So you need to have the filter right in front of the telescope and you need to install a camera and then plug it uh, to your computer. Then you can see the sun. That would be the best way because you don't want to damage your eyes because this risk is still there. And speaking about damaging your eyes, they always tell people to, to not look directly at a solar eclipse. So for you, have you ever seen a solar eclipse with your telescope connected to, let's say, your camera or you had your camera over it and took a picture of it? I've never seen a telescope through, uh, I mean, I've never seen a solar eclipse through my telescope because usually when I go and watch this uh, uh, solar eclipse, I didn't bring my telescope. But I watched a solar eclipse before. Uh, through the special glasses and it was mesmerizing it's okay even though it's it is without a telescope but if you guys want to watch the solar eclipse with a telescope you can join the solar eclipse party uh, from your local astronomy club they are uh, usually they will have that they will have such event where all the astronomers and stargazers uh, will gather and they will watch the solar eclipse or any other night sky event together. Now that would be even more exciting because more people, more fun. Absolutely. And then you can help each other out identifying some stars, some planets, some events happening in space because space is extremely interesting. And as uh, Shahida just mentioned, 
it is continuously growing, it's continuously changing. You might even see the International Space Station as she did. You can see a lot of things in the sky, not just stars, but when you start learning your way around the night sky, the night sky will not be the same ever again. You will not just be looking at the pinpoints of lights from the um, space. Not just that. You will be looking at some other different sorts of things that will uh, that you will realize when you learn more about it. And it's free entertainment. Yeah, for entertainment, for your um, self-improvement, for your stress relief. A lot of things you can gain from uh, stargazing. You learn more about yourself. You learn more about the universe. And that's the most special thing that I've gained from uh, stargazing. That is learning more. I want to learn more. Now, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling when you're lying down, let's say at the beach, stargazing, sometimes you just take a nap because it's just so relaxing. Or you're just really excited and you just want to watch it all night. Uh, see, for me, it would be a mixture of both. I would get so excited and also I would take a nap because you would hear the waves crashing and then just watching the stars. Uh, that's, I, I, feel, I find that very meditative. That's interesting because last time I went to this um, beach with a dark sky, uh, dark, uh, with dark sky area. So I just lie down uh, with my friends and we're just looking at the stars and some of us just doze off. And suddenly I can feel the wave, <laughs> the waves touching my feet. <laughs> it was like, wow, it's, it's the high tide. Let's go, let's go back. <laughs> it's very dangerous. And, I, and that's one of the most exciting um, stargazing trip I've ever had because it was with my friend in a dark sky area. And just by the beach, it was <laughs> was scary, but at the same time, it's very exciting. It's like, okay, it's time to wake up, you cold feet. Woo, okay, time to go, yes. go look at the stars somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? My word of advice is if you are interested in stargazing, don't wait for anything else. Don't wait for your a telescope, don't wait until you're ready because the sky is always ready for you to gaze at. Unless there are clouds or uh, it's raining, that will be um, one of the challenges that you have to face whenever you are stargazing. But if you have the passion, if you have the interest to gaze at the night sky, just go out and firstly, just look at the night sky and just take it all in. No need to know about it yet. Just look at it. Just gaze at it. No need to think too much about, oh, what are what are those constellations? What do I have to buy if I want to get into stargazing? You don't have to think about that. You need to build your interest and love towards the night sky slowly. And those who are interested in night sky to read more about uh, the stars and the uh, objects in the night sky, just get to know more slowly and slowly and eventually you can get into um, making yourself around the night sky just uh, for example just buy map star maps or um, download star map app so that you can just easily identify the object in the night sky but for me it's easier for you to download the app called celestron sky portal if you have no idea which direction is north south, east, or west, you can just press the compass mode and just put your phone um, with the sky as the background and it will just just move along with the background in the night sky. 
Yeah, and it will identify the objects as well. So you don't have to just uh, so hard try to find your way around it. Just it's, It works like a compass. And it has the option. And also, just enjoy the night sky. Feel It's okay to make yourself feel small. It's okay to make your problem seem like it's nothing. It's okay. And when you go back to the reality, you can work on the stress that you've been feeling or the problems that you've, uh, you're facing again. But it's, uh, it's good for you to sometimes have an escape from the reality and stargaze. And the great thing about stargazing, it comes every night. You get an opportunity every single night, except if there's clouds. But I mean, nighttime is there every night. <laughs> so it's been yes. going on for a very long time. So yeah, if, uh, if it's not today and then tomorrow night, uh, yeah, there'll be a night where you'll see stars. And you also forgot the most important resource where people can go learn more. You. Your Instagram, oh. <laughs> your Twitter, your YouTube channel, because you're very informative. I'm, I've been meaning to say this. So you have your YouTube channel where you speak in two languages. And one of the languages I do not understand, but you use body language, you use images, you lose uh, visuals as well, which makes me feel like I do understand. So I'm, I'm somewhat following and I'm like, okay, I don't understand that word, but I understand the body language you're trans, uh, like sharing and then the words you show and then the images. I'm like, okay, I can still follow. So you're doing a wonderful job. Wow, thank you so much, Alex. You actually, you actually watch my videos. And I, I've been planning to do the subtitles for my videos because I know that there are some people not from Malaysia will be watching them, just like you. So I want to um, prepare subtitles for them so that they can understand more, even though I prepared the visuals. Oh, wow, <laughs> the visuals are actually working for you. Wow, that's amazing. I, it's it's um, relieving for me to know that. <laughs> I'm glad to know that, Alex. Yeah, you put a lot of work in it and I really do greatly appreciate it. And this is a perfect segue to my next question. Do you have any social media links, websites, projects, like I've asked at the beginning of the episode that you would like to share again so people can come show some love and just watch your educational video, your positive energy, and just how much passion you put into stargazing? So for projects so far, I haven't had any um, big projects, but usually um, every month I will uh, do a video on my Star Talk or Stargazer Vlogs. So if you guys want to know more about the night sky, the constellations, how to stargaze, you can head to my YouTube channel, Shahira Stargazer, for the videos. And in my Twitter, I usually update monthly stargazing calendar. Yes, monthly stargazing calendar so that uh, you can keep yourself uh, updated and just, you know, make some notes on what kind of celestial events that you can see uh, throughout the month. And I also post pictures of my astro uh, mobile astrophotography uh, since I'm using my phone as the camera to capture the, uh, the night sky. So you guys can see those things. And I will also teach you guys on how to do mobile astrophotography for those who haven't purchased uh, a DSLR or any astronomy camera. And same goes in Facebook. I also do that. Uh, same, uh, the same thing I did in Twitter, just I forward it in Facebook. But for my Instagram, I usually post about my travels. So not much astronomy there. <laughs> 
Uh, you can still watch um, me being myself uh, in my real life on my Instagram and also a part of me being astronomer in my YouTube, Twitter and also uh, Facebook. Well, you know what? I'll share all of those because it's very important to not only support your hobby of stargazing, but support you as a person. So people listening, go show my dear friend Shahida uh, just all the love and learn along the way because she's very knowledgeable, very friendly, and her videos are very informative. Thank you, Alex. That's very thoughtful. <laughs> and now for the last question. It's the toughest question of them all. Do you have any questions for me about stargazing? Yes, I do have questions for you. <laughs> okay, Alex. So are you interested in stargazing after listening to me talking about it? <laughs> I've always been interested in stargazing. Not as like I don't have a telescope anymore, but I had one as a child. But I've always been interested in looking up at the skies. And when I'm not in a city where it's full of lights, when I'm out, out in nature, I love looking out at the skies because... It's, it's, it's like you were saying, it makes you feel small, but in a good way, saying you're connected with the universe. That's very good. I'm glad that you feel uh, the way that I felt when I'm stargazing too. And by stargazing, it makes you realize about your surrounding and the changes in the, in the sky. Not just night sky, but also day sky. And another question for you. Have you ever uh, went on a stargazing trip? Uh, not specifically, but I would... I wouldn't, I would be interested in to, to do it. Absolutely. Uh, like a stargazing trip, like what you did, like went to the beach and purposely went to go stargaze, that kind of trip. Or you're talking about more professional stargazing where we bring bigger telescopes or stuff like that. No, just go for casual stargazing like I did. <laughs> mm. Uh, yeah, I would love to do that with my wife. The only issue is, I don't, I'm sure you have the same issue as well, is bugs that love to bite at night. <laughs> Surprisingly, Alex, bugs hate me. <gasps> You're <That's> lucky. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And every time I uh, uh, go for stargazing with my family, they'll be complaining about bugs and mosquitoes. And I was like, "How? I'm I'm not I'm not getting bitten by any bugs yet. How come you guys are riddled with bugs?" <laughs> See, this is the perfect hobby for you. You're perfectly made for it. <laughs> yeah, that's. And then I realized how lucky I am because the bugs hated me. <laughs> See, they would love me. So, yeah, because I'm bald and they always love my head. It's like the perfect feeding ground. There's not much in there, but apparently a lot of blood for mosquitoes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's... <laughs> yeah, I, I track them. I'm sorry for laughing, but, but I'm imagining uh, <laughs> the things that are uh, going on and then <laughs> it makes me laugh. I come back with a, gi a giant head full of bumps. It's not my brain that got bigger. I just have a lot of mosquito bites. But an interesting <laughs> thing about stargazing that happened to me when I was a child, and this is just simply looking out into the sky. And this is... I'm a, I was a stupid child. What I did, it was during the day. I, was, I remember vividly... I was coming out of the car and then I look up in the sky and I saw the moon in daylight. And I was thinking, I didn't, I've never saw it before. And I was thinking, what? How? And I was very young. I was like, how is that? What is that? Is that earth? Wait, if that's earth, where am I right now? And I was worried. I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. Why would the earth be out right now? And then I, st I started making sense like, oh, wait, that's the moon, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm holding my laughter. You can laugh. You can laugh. <laughs> 
you're so cute when you, you were little and that's how you're thinking but it's okay it's okay to always question even your place on earth even though you see another earth mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's okay it's just being a child being curious and that's what's so beautiful about astronomy and stargazing is that you can always be a child even though you are already an adult and that's the most beautiful thing because you keep on being curious you still have the child in you my wife tells me that every day (laughs) (laughs) wow your wife sounds like a sweet person a patient she's a patient person to tolerate me apparently Uh, actually, I have another memory of stargazing, and this is, goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about uh, seeing a shooting star. So here, when we see a shooting star, we would make a wish, but this is for people who don't know much about stargazing. So the first time I saw a shooting star, I made the wish that I would kiss a girl, and I kissed a girl that first the same night. So that was like, oh, that was special because my first kiss was thanks to a shooting star, which was nothing really special because you see, you see shooting stars a lot, but it was, it's a memory in my head. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry I ruined it for you, but <laughs> that is so beautiful. Wow, so it really happened on the night that you wished for the shooting star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, congratulations uh, for the past you. <laughs> yeah, for the past me. It made me who I am today, and I've always been curious whatever's located on Earth and also what is in the sky. So, yeah, I do really love stargazing. I wish I was more. I wish I kept my telescope, actually. I don't know what happened to it because I did use it a lot as a kid. I probably didn't know how to use it and probably looked at clouds. But (laughs) behind the clouds, I hear there's stars and planets, but I probably couldn't see the planets. But yeah, I wish I kept it and tried some more. Does this curse for every stargazer and astronomer just bought a telescope and whenever the telescope arrived, the clouds (laughs) will be marching across the sky. (laughs) There's like a little cloud right in front of the telescope at all times, like just in front of it. (laughs) Yeah, why do you have to do that cloud? Why? (laughs) It's an evil little cloud. (laughs) Just so envious towards the stargazers and astronomers. (laughs) But it looks like you had a lot of experience. You were able to see a lot of beautiful events happening in the sky. And you have a lot of beautiful images and pictures online, which is wonderful. And I love that you're sharing your knowledge. So, uh, yeah, there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you so much, Shahira, for just coming on and just sharing your love, sharing your passion with the world and tolerating my stupid questions. (laughs) No, it's it's totally all right. I love your questions. And thank you so much, Alex, for the opportunity. I am really honored, even though you said that uh, it was you and no, it was me, you know. (laughs) But really, that's how I truthfully felt that a time when you approached me and said you want to um, make a podcast and invite me as a guest for the for my hobby and that was really a very exciting and I feel appreciated for having this hobby <laughs> well you know I found you on Twitter and I'm like oh my goodness she's very passionate because I've been looking for people and then I saw on Twitter a lot of people putting joke hobbies like oh my hobby is sleeping all day or my hobby is making fun of people and then when I saw yours like this is my hobby. My hobby is stargazing. And you put pictures and I'm like, whoa, that is so cool. I would love to have you on. And then you, you were so welcoming. You said, yes, without hesitation. You don't even know who I am. You're like, yes, I'll talk to this bald guy. Yeah, of course. And <laughs> here you are. And this has been going on for over an hour now, which has been all wonderful. 
And I cannot thank you enough. And actually, for people listening, if you want to go show some support and love, go check her out. I'll put all the information below, all those links, all those websites, so you can go show her some love. And if you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And of course, if you'd like to show some more support, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or even leave a review on a planet in the sky. That might be a little harder. Uh, if you want to show some more support, I also sell merchandise on Redbubble and I also have a Patreon. Once again, these are only optional. You don't have to do that. But you know what you do have to do? You have to go support my wonderful guest, Shahira, and also my, all my other guests. That is mandatory. So once again, thank you so much, Shahira. Thank you so much, too. <laughs> so until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care. <laughs>